Well, good morning and welcome to Yonville Community Church Online. Uh, pleasure to have you with us. My name is Dan Bidwell, Senior Pastor here. Uh, we're so glad you've um, set aside this time to meet with God, uh, to, to hear from His Word, to pray, uh, and to meet with God's people. I know we're all scattered in different ways, but uh, you are part of a community, you are part of a church, uh, by meeting together with us here at Yonville Community Church Online. So it's great to have you with us. Uh, as always, we would love to know that you've been here and uh, we would recommend that you click on the connect card button. If you're on our website, it's up the top. If you're on YouTube, it's down the bottom. Just let us know that you're here with us. Uh, encourage us by letting us know that you're watching or if you've got a, a group in your family, let us know that you're all there. We'd love to hear that as well. It's a great encouragement to us here on staff, especially at a time when it feels like we're kind of distant. Uh, we're continuing this week in our sermon series from the early chapters of Genesis, chapter 1 to 11. Uh, today we're going to think about what it means to be uh, humans made in the image of God. Uh, we would love for you to uh, keep digging deeper in the scriptures. And uh, we're doing that at the moment uh, in our Bible studies midweek. Uh, we're on Zoom um, uh, for the moment. Maybe we'll have some good news in coming weeks about meeting together uh, in person. We'll see how that goes with the public health uh, requirements. Uh, but we'd love you to uh, be part of our Bible studies online. Uh, this week we'll have Bible studies on Tuesday night, uh, Friday morning. Uh, make sure you get in contact with us. Uh, either sign up for our e-news, uh, talk to us on the Connect button, or uh, again, if you're on our website, you can scroll right down to the bottom of uh, the page where we have church online. And there's a button that says, uh, contact me about joining our Bible study. Uh, our website, of course, is www.yonvillechurch.org. Uh, we'd love you to be part of these studies. A special thing now, we're going to do a little trick that we do in kids' church. Uh, so uh, I'm going to put my hand up like this. We're going to do three, two, one. Something will magically appear in my left hand. Here we go. Oh, there you go. Uh, this week, as part of Kids Church, uh, Kids Church is joining us in our creation series as well. And so for all of the kids watching, we would love to send you an activity pack. Uh, you can either come and pick it up if you're local uh, or I will pop it in the post for you. But uh, each of you uh, is going to receive a little bag like this full of goodies, full of games, full of craft that go alongside our Kids Church videos. If you'd like to be part of this, make sure you get in contact with us and order one of these. Uh, this is how the magic really works in the cinema. I'm just going to put this down. Uh, we give you great thanks for uh, all of you who've remained with us online uh, during these uh, difficult months uh, of being uh, so different from what we're normally used to in church. Uh, we're particularly thankful for our financial partners uh, and we just wanted to let you know on behalf of the elders that we're going to send some communication uh, regarding where we're up to with our tithes for the year, uh, where we're up to with a building project in our historic Yonce Street uh, reconstruction. We'll send that out to you in the mail. Uh, so again, uh, make sure you're on our e-news letter list uh, or get in contact with us and say that you'd like to receive that communication. Uh, we are truly thankful for the ways that you've enabled us to continue uh, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ and his good news uh, here in the Napa Valley and beyond throughout all of this time. Well, it's time to sit back and to hear from God's word. Uh, we're going to go back over a little part of Genesis chapter 1, the, the part about uh, men and women being created in the image of God. So I want you uh, sit back, 
Prepare your hearts to hear God's word. Hi, my name's Joanna. Please join with me as I read the Bible from Genesis chapter 1, starting at verse 26 to the end of the chapter. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and to all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. What does it mean to be human? Now that's the question you're faced with as you enter the Hall of Human Origins in the Smithsonian Museum of Natural History in Washington, D.C. What does it mean to be human? Uh, the Smithsonian exhibit, it's all about how humans are different from other apes and primates and mammals. It's an exhibition about the theory of human evolution. Is that what it means to be human, to be the pinnacle of evolution? Apparently in the museum, visitors are invited to share what they think it means to be human. And so the museum has collected the thoughts of thousands of people on the topic. What do people say about what it means to be human? Well, somebody said it means to be full of self-doubt. Someone else says it's to live in community and to seek to be heard. Someone else said uh, to be human is to experience joy and be aware of it, or to strive for life beyond mere survival and food. Someone else said it's a search to understand our inner voice. Another person said being human is being capable of great things and terrible things. Someone else said it's about having relationships based on love and hate and sacrifice and anger. Someone else said it, to be human is to create a future heaven or a future hell. Someone else said to be human is to live in mystery. So many answers to the question of what it means to be human. I wonder what answer you would give to that question. As we open the Bible today, well, we come to God's answer to the question. To be human, Genesis 1 teaches, is to be made in the image of God, in his likeness. That's the topic we're looking into today, being made in the image of God. 
Uh, this is a foundational truth uh, that is crucial to our understanding of ourselves and, and crucial to our understanding of God and crucial to how we view other people as well. So why don't we pray that God will teach us this morning as we open the scriptures. Heavenly Father, as we come to your word again, we trust that you will speak to us through it. Help us to understand what it means to be human, uh, what it means to be made in your image, and what it means for us as we live in the world that you've made. Be with us now, just as you were over creation, speaking into it and bringing life. We ask you to bring us new life as we hear you speak today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we said last week, this fall we're spending time in Genesis 1 to 11. These early chapters of the Bible, uh, they teach us foundational truths about who God is, uh, the purpose of creation and the place of humans within it. As I said last week, uh, these chapters are not the Encyclopedia Britannica of the prehistory of the world. Uh, they're not exhaustive biology textbooks or history textbooks or astronomy textbooks, even though Genesis 1 to 11 speaks into each of those topics. It doesn't answer every question that we want to ask. And that's because uh, Genesis 1 to 11, these chapters are not written from a human perspective, but from God's perspective. Uh, these chapters are God's prehistory of the world. And so our task as Bible readers is to look at the record that God has given us and to find meaning there. I will be tempted to think, what about this or, or, or what about that? Uh, my plan with the sermon today is to try and make sense of the passage in front of us, uh, sometimes leaning on what the rest of the Bible says about them as well. Uh, but essentially, we're looking for the message that God is conveying in the particular words that we find in the Bible. So we saw last week in Genesis 1 that God created the world from nothing, uh, that he spoke and everything in creation came into being, the sun, the moon, the, the earth, the stars. But God's particular attention is on earth where he separates water from land and he places vegetation that thrives. And he causes the ocean to teem with sea life and he creates birds of the air and animals that live on the earth, livestock and wild animals and all the things that creep and crawl on the earth. God creates them all and then he speaks a word over creation, uh, over all of those created things and he declares them good. But there's one last creature to be created. And when this last creature is created, God declares everything very good. Verse 31. And that last creature is mankind or humanity. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over the livestock and all the wild animals and over the creatures that move along the ground. And so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created the male and female. He created them. So the big question is, what does it mean to be made in the image of God? Well, the first observation of it is that humanity is very much part of the created order. That is, humans are like the animals in one way in that we belong to everything that God created on those first six days. Uh, we were made in creation and we're made for life within God's creation. Uh, this is made even clearer in Genesis 2 verse 7, where it says, Then the Lord formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. 
As humans, we are made from the clay of creation, the dust, the same matter that God used to form the earth and everything in it. Uh, we, uh, this createdness uh, makes us distinct from the creator. God is spirit, now says John 4.24, whereas we are flesh. From the dust we came and to dust we will return, Genesis 3.19. Uh, this createdness rejects the notion that humans are somehow part of the divine. Uh, that idea could be found in some ancient Near East cultures at the time when these scriptures were written. And I suspect if we looked uh, today, we could find modern spiritualities that claim the divinity of humans as well. But Genesis 1 and 2 reject that idea. Humans are part of the created order. We are not gods. However, that doesn't make us mere animals either. Uh, the French mathematician and philosopher Blaise Pascal said, Man is neither angel nor beast. Out of all of the created beings, hu uh, uh, beings, humans are given a special dignity. And no other creature is created in the image of God, only humans. And that God-given image sets us apart from the animals as more than just mammals or, or primates or trousered apes, as some have suggested. God's creation story teaches us that humans are created with purpose. As we bear God's image, there's something about humanity that points to God and what God is like. Now, before we move on to consider exactly how we bear God's image in the world, I want us to pause and think about the dignity bestowed upon each and every human as a person made in the image of God. We're so used to looking around the room and judging one another by the clothes we wear or the color of our skin or the shape of our bodies or a hundred other criteria. We judge one another and, and we assign value or worth based on whatever measures matter the most to us. To look at others like this is to reject the innate value that each and every person has purely by virtue of their createdness in the image of God. I've said before that I've spent some time in a little African country called Rwanda. Uh, most of us know Rwanda because of the genocide in 1994. Uh, in that time, one million Rwandans were killed in the space of 100 days. It was 10% of their population uh, who were mur uh, murdered because of tribal factionalism. One of the precursors to the genocide was a propaganda campaign that described members of the minority tribe as cockroaches. And this became the way that they were known in the lead up to the genocide. All oh, those people are cockroaches. They're not even human. That's why they deserve to be killed. You don't even need to feel remorse because they are cockroaches. Isn't that horrible? I've sat with Rwandans who remember that systematic dehumanization firsthand. Here in the USA, it's much more subtle the way that we do something pretty similar. Every time we look down on another human, we're rejecting the truth that they've been created in the image of God, just like we have been. We do it in so many ways, it's almost a reflex for us. Martin Luther King Jr. said, The whole concept of the image of God is the idea that all men have something within them that God injected. And this gives man a uniqueness. It gives him worth. It gives him dignity. And we must never forget this. There are no gradations in the image of God. Every man from a treble white to a bass black is significant on God's keyboard. 
are precisely because every man is made in the image of God. One day we'll learn that. We'll know one day that God has made us to live together as brothers and to respect the dignity and worth of every man and every woman, I'll just add. So if we take the image of God seriously in ourselves, then we need to see the image of God in those around us. That's my first big take home today. In a polarized world, let's remember that every one of our opponents, everyone who threatens us, everyone who we see as below us, or more dignified than us, in God's eyes, they are all image bearers. They're all created with equal dignity, equal value, and equal worth, and we ought to see them the same. Sometimes we have the opposite problem. We struggle to see ourselves as somebody who is valuable, uh, even to God. There are so many ways that this world robs us of our dignity. There are so many ways that other people rob us of dignity and value and worth based on those factors I mentioned before, our, you know, our roles in society or our socioeconomic status, our body type, our skin color, our age, our failures. If that's you, I hear the word of the Lord you are created in his image. You are special in God's eyes. And there is nothing about you that can change that. That's point one, the dignity of being made in God's image. Now, the second big idea about being made in God's image is that as his image bearers, we represent God. In the ancient Near East, when a king or an emperor conquered a new territory, he'd set up statues in that place to represent his rule over that area, his dominion. Uh, people would look up at the statues and they would remember who is in charge. When God creates humanity in his image, he's saying that humanity is designed like those statues, are designed to point to the rule and dominion of God over creation. Humans are the only creature that discloses something to, work, to the world about what God is like something specific to the world about what God is like, because humans are the only creatures to display the image of the God, of God to the world. I think that makes us a little bit like brand ambassadors for God. Where I grew up in high school, we had prefects. Um, I think there are some private schools here that have prefects. Uh, but anyway, it's pretty normal um, back in Australia in the English system. Uh, anyway, the prefects are seniors, and they're given a position of leadership within the student body. You might think of them as glorified hall monitors, uh, but it's more than that. Essentially, prefects are elected as brand ambassadors for the school. Uh, if you want to know the image and values of a school and the kind of students that it aims to produce, uh, you look at the prefects. Uh, the prefects were the ones who always wore their school uniforms correctly, and they would issue a prefect detention if they saw you without, you know, without your tie on or with your shirt untucked. The prefects were the ones who uh, escorted prospective parents on school tours. They were the brand ambassadors for the school. If you want to know the image and values of an organization, you look to their brand ambassadors. And so it should be with humanity. At creation, humanity represented the image and values of God in the world. Now, I realize the analogy breaks down because brand ambassadors uh, often don't come up to scratch. And we'll get to that when we look into the fall in Genesis 3 in a few weeks' time. But at creation, humanity represents God in a unique way. Out of all the creatures, 
And unlike statues, God gives humans the mandate to act in the world on his behalf, to, to rule over creation on his behalf. It's Genesis 1.26. God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over the livestock and all the wild animals. God gives humans the mandate to rule over creation in the likeness of the way that God himself would rule over creation. Our ruling should represent the way that God would do it. So how would God rule over creation? Well, even if we just stick to these chapters, God rules over a creation in a way that promotes order. It promotes flourishing and life. God's rule is a blessing to all the creatures of the earth, uh, not just to humans. We saw that uh, God blessed all of the other creatures back in Genesis 1.22, even before the creation of mankind. As we see this picture of what it means to be made in the image of God and to share in his rule over creation, we see what a privilege it is to represent the creator. Our rule over this earth should image God's goodness. It should image God's tender creativeness and his nurturing provision. Now, this is a mandate for creation care, isn't it? It's not a license to, uh, to abuse and exploit and pollute the earth's resources. And that is one realm where Christians, uh, as Christians, we represent God to the world in the way that we care for creation. But of course, as God's people, we represent God wherever we find ourselves in the world. And so as we rule over what is, whatever God has given us to rule over, whether large things or small things in little ways, we want to do everything in a way that represents the image and values of the one in whose image we're made. In some ways, we're like God's prefects in the world. People watch us as we go about our lives, as we work in offices or hospitals or schools, or as we spend time in community groups or with our neighbours. People watch as we do our grocery shopping and as we film church services, as we take the trash out. All those little moments are somehow part of the way that God's people represent God to the world. And the way that we live in this world can actually disclose something of God to the people watching. For good, hopefully, but sometimes for ill as well. Representing God brings with it a responsibility Jesus said, from everyone who's been given much, much will be demanded. Luke 12, 48. So that's our second big idea. Humanity made in the image of God represents God to the rest of creation. So what happens when that image is tarnished? And this brings me to my final point, recreation. Genesis 1 and 2 see humanity born into creation with, with great expectations, are created in the image of God to be his representative and his agent in the world. Uh, and then we read Genesis 3, this story of Adam and Eve and, and sin and the fall, and humanity's reputation is tarnished. What happens to the image of God in us at the fall? As we read these foundational chapters of the Bible, we'll see that humanity wasn't able to live up to the high expectations of living as image bearers of God. Whether you're a Bible scholar or not, you know that humans don't go through life like perfect godly statues in the mold of God. We all know that people are messed up. And that's because at the fall, sin messed up some aspects 
of the image of God in us. Being made in the image of God implies having a, a special relationship with God. And we see that in those early chapters before the fall. In our passage today in verse 28, God would speak to Adam and Eve, presumably like I'm speaking to you now, or at least if, if you were here in the room anyway. In Genesis 2, we see God bringing Eve to Adam, like a father gives away his daughter in a wedding. In Genesis 3, we see God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, presumably coming to visit with Adam and Eve. God created humans to have a special relationship with himself. Being made in the image of God also conveys the idea of sonship. The New Testament describes Adam as a son of God uh, in Luke 3.38. Just like Seth is the son of Adam in uh, Genesis chapter 5, uh, made in his own image uh, and in his own likeness. At the fall, that relational closeness between humanity and God, it changes. Uh, it breaks down. And that break in relationship is symbolized when God sends out Adam and Eve, he sends them out of the garden and their special relationship is ruined. Our rule is also ruined, or complicated at least. We'll see that when we get to Genesis chapter 3, that our relationship with the creation becomes marked by difficulty and toil. The orderliness of creation becomes marked by thorns and thistles and the fruitfulness of chapter 1 is replaced by complications in reproduction. The idea of representation, it's also tarnished at the fall. Humans no longer faithfully represent God to the world. Instead, we represent our own interests and our own purposes and our own priorities. We are made in our own image at that point, I guess you might say. And we have to wait until Genesis 12 for God to raise up a new man uh, whose family will be God's chosen people and special possession, uh, through whom God will bring blessing to the world once again and from whose offspring uh, God will raise up a new representative, another one made in the very likeness of God, one whose rule will never end. And of course that plan finds its fulfillment, uh, not just in Abraham, uh, not just in David, but ultimately in Jesus Christ. Because it's in Jesus that we see the image of God completely and perfectly lived out, uh, the firstborn over creation that Adam could never be. Colossians 1 tells us the Son is the, the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. The writer to the Hebrews says the Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Jesus is the perfect human. He's the perfect image of God. He's the true Son of God. And the only one who can restore the image of God in us if we allow him to recreate our lives. Because that is the good news of the story of the Bible. God's intentions for us are still good, like they were at creation. Despite our sin, God still sees us as his image bearers. And he longs for us to have that image recreated in us and to see the tarnish of sin wiped away and to see us living according to the purposes that he had for us at creation. God is in the business of bringing order back to our lives, of reshaping the clay of our bad decisions, of restoring us to flourishing and blessing when we realign our lives with Jesus. That's the reason Jesus endured the shame of the cross for us. 
John Calvin, the famous reformer, said, The face of Christ, dishonoured by spitting and blows, has restored to us that image which had been disfigured and almost effaced by sin. Brothers and sisters, the doctrine of the image of God is one of the wonders of the biblical message. The idea that the God of creation would bestow that honour upon us, that dignity, that responsibility, and that he would desire to restore us to that image despite our failings, if only we'll trust in him. It makes the mind boggle, doesn't it? But that is what God says about us as his creatures made in his image and in his likeness. What a wonder. Shall we praise God for what we've learned today? Oh Lord, when we consider everything that you have made, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, it says in Psalm 8. Uh, human beings that you care for them, you've made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honour. Father, the mind boggles when we think about what it means to be made in your image. We thank you for the honour, the privilege, the responsibility. And we know that we are not your perfect representatives at every moment. But we pray more and more that you'll help us to live like Jesus in the world, bringing you glory and honour in everything we do. We thank you for restoring your image in us through the recreative work of the Holy Spirit as we trust Jesus day by day. Father, we especially ask you to recreate the broken parts of us that don't reflect your image. Heal our sinful tendencies. Heal our selfishness in relationships. Heal us of our judgment of others. Help us to be grace-filled as we live and rule and take care of the lives that you've given to us. In all things, help us to point to you, Lord, and to give you the glory. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all of the earth. We pray these things in the precious name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Please join with me in prayer. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. What is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honour. You made him the ruler of the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. With grateful hearts, we thank you, Lord, for creation. Thank you for making each person unique and special, made in your image. We pray that we would take our roles as rulers and custodians over your creation seriously and to care for it well. Father, we pray that you would use this new sermon and Bible study series in Genesis to confirm in our hearts and minds your truths, to give family, friends and neighbours of our church family a way to start at the beginning of the gospel story and to lead people to faith in your son. Father, we pray for our country. 
We pray for wisdom for all of those in authority, in our county, in our state, and for our president and his government. They are your servants, Lord, and have given them full, given their full time to governing. Lord, help them do their jobs well. To the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, I've really enjoyed meeting with you uh, here at Church Online this morning uh, as we've delved into what it means to be made in the image of God. I think as we go into our weeks, uh, there's a few things for us to remember uh, as we look at other people to remember the image of God in them. And as we go about ruling and creating and, and ordering little parts of creation that God's given us, to do that in the way that God would exercise his rule and reign over creation uh, but most of all to draw near to Christ in whom we find ourselves recreated uh, who restores the image of God in us I really pray that you are uh, growing as we do this series uh, again we'd love to see you online at Bible study this week uh, but until we see you again uh, goodbye and God bless <music>